If you have a copy of God's Word, why don't you find the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 29 is where we're going to be tonight. And again, thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful, beautiful fall day. Um, I want to start off by just telling you all about one of my most favorite memories as a student pastor. So before I was doing this, I was working with high school students in that boot, L.A., Louisiana from the dirty south, all right? Anyway, we would annually take this trip with our graduating seniors, and we called it the mystery trip. Now, the mystery trip was unlike any other trip that we did in student ministry, and it was kind of like the trip of a lifetime. And so we would load up these seniors, and we would head across the country. And I just want to share a couple of pictures. Here we are in the Niagara River uh, with... Uh, what was called Whirlpool Jet Boat Tours. If you ever get to do that, it is awesome. It's like being on a giant jet ski going upstream um, in Class 5 River Rapids. Uh, right there, you got Canada on one side, America on the other side. So that's awesome. And then we left from uh, Buffalo, New York, or Niagara, New York, and we journeyed across, and we one of the other stops we had was Chicago. So some of y'all been to Chicago, seen the bean before. And so it was this amazing trip, and what we would do is we would say, hey, this is going to be somewhat like life, that life is is a mystery in and of itself, and we want to take you on this journey, and we would not tell them the destinations that we were taking them on. We would say, okay, it's a seven-day trip. you got to trust us. Here's what you're going to need to pack, the essentials, and then let's go. And we would drop these clues, and we would say, hey, be ready to have the courage to try new things. And so we loaded up, and we went out, and we adventured, and it was this epic seven-day journey that we did annually with these graduating seniors. And I share that with you tonight because um, those 18-year-olds, they were on the cusp of a season in which there was going to be a lot of mysteries that they would have a lot of curiosity about. And that season is called young adulthood. And that's the season that most of you happen to be in tonight. And the season of life that you are in tonight is so critical to the rest of your life. Amen? And so you have so many decisions to make. I mean, there are like major life decisions. Some of you, you're probably going to meet your spouse. The most significant relationship on this side of eternity is going to happen in this season. Others of you, you're going to figure out what your career is going to be. It's going to be locked in. And I mean, there are so many important decisions. And in this season of young adulthood, it's like a mystery of sorts. And you've come in here and, and you're kind of asking a lot of questions and there's a lot of curiosity around this mystery called young adulthood. And there's this other thing that seems to pop up when we begin to think about our life and who we're going to marry and our job and all of these other things. It's this familiar foe that a lot of us in the room know and it's called anxiety. And so when we think about our future, we, like our hands start getting sweaty and we start, you know, we're like, need some medicine, whatever. And, and we experience this thing called anxiety. I was reading in one of my favorite magazines the other day, Vogue magazine. I'm just kidding. Um, but I did find this quote and it maybe help you understand what anxiety is from Vogue magazine, an article that they published online. It says, anxiety comes in many forms, but the simplest way to describe it is feeling worried or nervous about the future or uncertain situations. Did you know that, that a third of Americans will be clinically diagnosed with anxiety? And, and our generation, you can see these stats right here, our generation that millennials here tonight, that the rates of anxiety are significantly above the national average, that 52% admit to having laid awake in the past month due to stress or anxiety. You know, like, yeah, that's right, yeah, me, mm-hmm. Here's a big one. 76% of a study that was done by USA Today and the American Psychological Association, they found 76% admit to experiencing significant anxieties due to the future job, their future job, or the economy. And that's us tonight. 
mean, anxiety is, is higher than it's ever been in the history of America. And there's something that's closely linked with anxiety, and it's, it's suicide. Check this stat out. From 2000 to 2015, suicide rates have increased 27% amongst those who are 20 to 35. That anxiety is leading us to a place where we think that we don't even deserve to live. And one of the common denominators around anxiety that is experienced in this room is when you begin to think about your future. And you begin to think about, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And, and when it comes to making a decision, like we're plagued by what's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And like, so you weigh all your options. Like, you know that you're the person that you've been invited like seven different things this weekend, right? And you have not made a decision to one because you're still weighing the options out, right? And you don't want to commit on one because there may be an eighth one to get those box seats at that place. And so you're like, I just don't want to miss out on that, so I'm not going to make a commitment to anything. Or we have these two good options and we're like, hmm. And we get kind of paralysis of analysis. Well, if I do that, then this will happen. If I, if I take her to coffee, then she'll think this. Or he'll think, if I say yes, then all this, you know, you'll start just freaking out in your mind. And you can't even make a decision. And we just want to know, God, what is your plan for my life? And we have all this anxiety around this, this mystery called life. In life, it's a mystery trip. And you're going to need courage to say yes to things. And and if you want to live the adventure that God wants you to live, man, you're going to have to step into the moment and seize the moment. And so you've come in here tonight and you're like asking, man, what's God's plan for my life? And some of you are like, oh, thank God that you raised up one of the greatest preachers of our generation to speak into this all-consuming question. And so Drake has released it. He let us know God's plan, (laughs) that all you need is your bed and your mama. But there's a lot of bad things, a lot of bad things. The people are wishing on me and on you, a lot of bad things, bad things, a lot of them. But God's plan, God's plan. And so like you think that, okay, if I listen to that song, I'll figure it out. Now, in all honesty, we do do some serious things, I mean some silly things, excuse me. We do some silly things. Like some of you ladies here tonight, you're like, all right, God, you know I want a husband. And so God, (laughs) wow, okay, God. When I leave tonight, the first man that smiles at me, I think that's, okay, God, can we work that out, you know? Or some of you, you're like, Lord, I need a word, right? Maybe you grew up in church and this makes sense to you. Like, Lord, I need a word. And so you kind of have like the Bible roulette approach. And so you just kind of go, shh, and you open it up somewhere and you're like, okay. First Chronicles 19, 4, therefore Hanun took David's servants, he shaved them. Okay, salon, barber, I could see that. Like, I could get into that, especially like one of those cool urban salon barber shops or whatever that do all the cool haircuts and stuff. And then it says this, and then he cut off their garments in the middle. Okay, maybe I'm like, you know, tailoring, fashionista, God, like, I, I would like that. And then it says he cut off their garments at the middle at their buttocks, and he sent them away. Lord, I'm going to need another verse. And, or maybe you do this. For most of my life, what I did is I formulated my plans. I got my plan, right? And then I was like, okay, God, I need you to bless my plan. And, and maybe you, that's you tonight. You, you're like, all right, God, um, I need you really to help me through school, or I need you to help me get this job, and this is kind of what I've always planned to do, God. And so that, that was me. And so I began to study the medical field when I was in college, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get a job in the medical profession. I'm going to travel the country, be a traveling medical professional. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to be a really good person. I'm going to get married. I'm going to do all these things, and it's going to be good. And God, here's what I need you to do, God. These are my plans. I need you to bless my plans. And I kind of confused this verse. It's a really popular like, coffee cup verse 
Psalm 37, 4, and here's what it says. Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what I did is I kind of confused this and I flipped it a little bit. I got a little bit out of order. And what I, what I began to say was, okay, God, I desire to do this. And so it should bring you much delight in giving that thing to me. And a lot of you are doing the same thing here tonight when it comes to God's plan for your life. You basically have just gone to God and said, God, I need you to bless what I've, what I've designed for my life. But notice the order of Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Don't you know that your heart is desperately wicked and above, I mean, and beyond cure? Who can understand it? There's a way that seems right in your heart. In the end, it leads to death. And if you think that you're going to follow your heart like Disney told us, like it's going to lead you in a place that you probably don't want to go. But God says, hey, first delight yourself in me. And then I may begin to change the desires of your heart. And in fact, I'll reveal some things. But, but what happens is that when we flip that order, we begin to do some things and we begin to work out our plan in our life and we ask God to bless that plan instead of living according to God's plan in our life. And then sometimes it backfires on us and we get a little bit frustrated. So we find ourselves like this in Proverbs 19.3, we find ourselves saying or becoming this person, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. And so we chase our plan, ask God to bless our plan without ever asking God, what's your plan for my life? And then when it backfires, we're like, how could you, you know? Why did you make me meet this person? And you start like, God, why? And you begin to get angry at God. And he's like, you never asked me my opinion. You just asked to use me as some sort of like divine genie. So tonight we're in week four of this series called Ask Me Anything. And we're asking this question that I think is very relevant to everyone in the room tonight. And here's the question, what is God's plan for my life? What is God's plan for my life? And so tonight, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that God has a mystery box. He has some things that he has kept secret. And I want you to see the why behind the mystery. And then I want you to see that God has an open box. There are some things that he wants you and I to do. But then I also want to give you some questions to begin to ask when you find yourself outside of one of those two boxes. So if you have a copy of God's Word, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 is where we're going to start. But before we get there, I just want to say real quick, I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions tonight. So if you've got that one, that tough question, you're thinking, okay, he said this, that means I should dump him, right? Or he said this, that means I should show, throw, throw in my resignate. Like that's not how it's going to work tonight. What I want to do is I want to simply invite you into a relationship with someone that has all of the solutions to your questions. And this person, he has all the sufficiency while you are in the waiting to see the mystery unfold in your life. Because God is after a relationship with you and that's who I'm speaking of that I wanna invite you to begin to follow. And here's what I know, God has a plan for every one of you here tonight. He has a plan for your life. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows your doubts, he knows your fears, he knows every hair on your head, and he loves you so much, and he has a plan for your life, and I can say that with confidence, and I know what that plan is in a general way, and I want to invite you to follow him in a general way so that you can begin to unlock the mysteries that he has to unfold in your life. Deuteronomy 29, 29, I love this verse. I actually put it at the bottom of every one of my resumes, and, and here's what it starts out with, and I love that, that we see this right here clearly in God's word. It says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God. 
The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Now, I love this because there's a guy named Moses who wrote this, all right? Y'all ever asked, like, Lord, I need a sign, right? Just, just make it plain to me. Well, God did that to Moses, all right? He spoke to Moses in a burning bush. Moses and God were like peanut butter and jelly, man. They were like ham and eggs. They were like, I mean, they were tight, right? They were like Tom and Jerry, if you know who that is. They were boys. Anyway, Moses, I love that you, you have Moses saying this to the people of God. He's like, look, I know God better than, I mean, I'm not bragging. But I did write that I'm the most humble man in the world anyway. But I am saying, I know God really good. But look, there are some secret things that belong to the Lord. God has some mystery about himself. There are some secret things. So this box right here, it represents the secret will of God. Now in this box is is a lot of things for each one of you here tonight. First of all, every one of you has one of these boxes that you carry around. You just don't know it. It's an invisible box, but it represents the things that God wants to unfold in your life, the secret things, the mysteries. Now this is the box that, if we're being honest, we are the most curious about. In this box is who you're going to marry or not marry. In this box is your unnamed, unborn children. In this box is Christmas 2025 is in this box. And we want to know what's in this box. We're like, come on, God, just give me a hint. Is she here? Is he here? We want to know, God, am I going to be a millionaire by 30? I need to know this, God, because that's my plan, you know? And we want to know what's in this box. But there are some secret things that belong to God that are revealed and, I mean, that are concealed in this box. In this box lies all of your hopes and all of your ambitions. And every one of you in the room here tonight, you care deeply about this box. But there's someone who cares more about it. The person who cares more about the mystery unfolding in your life is God. He tells us in Jeremiah 29 that he has plans for you not to harm you, but to prosper you. Plans to give you hope and a future and a new life that you care deeply about what is in your future, but God cares about it infinitely more that he wants to bring some things about in your life. So a few years ago, I was actually given a mystery box. Y'all probably can't see this, but I'll just hold it up right here. And so I was given this as a Christmas gift um, with one of the guys that I worked with. And so he gave me this mystery box, and it's based upon uh, this TED Talk by a guy named J.J. Abrams. Uh, J.J. is the, he's the creator of Lost. Any Lost fans? I don't know if you remember that crazy show that nobody could figure out. Anyway, and he's also the creator of like Mission Impossible 3 and some other really cool movies. Anyway, J.J. speaks about a mystery box that he was uh, given as a boy, and he's never opened it. And so the challenge I was given was, was, hey, I'm going to give you this mystery box, and it contains some things that are very, very valuable, or maybe not, but I'm going to challenge you not to open it and just live with the mystery. And so for three years, I haven't opened this thing, and I've been living with the mystery, and I've been taking up the challenge from J.J. Abrams, and here's what J.J. said about mystery. He said this, maybe there are times when mystery is more important than knowledge. Maybe there are times when mystery is more important than knowledge. If you're taking notes, write this statement down. Mystery fosters dependency and is essential for a relationship. Mystery fosters dependency and is essential for a relationship. Um, Let me back up. We are in point number one, which is mystery box. So that's the mystery unveiled. I did that on purpose, all right? Some of you are like, oh, I was, anyway, voila, all right? Mystery box is point number one. We are in point number one right now. But mystery, it fosters dependency, and it is essential for a relationship, and we know this, right? We know this to be true, and so um, a lot of you, like you have locked eyes with uh, someone of the opposite sex, and so here's what you did. Like you got their name, and you got their number, and then immediately you hopped on your phone, 
and you like, all right, do they have, do they have uh, accounts? You know, I'm about to just stalk their accounts. I'm about to gather as much data and information as I can. I'm about to stalk their Facebook. I'm about, you know, from like 05, you know, I'm about to stalk their Instagram, stalk their LinkedIn. I'm stalking everything, right? No holds bar, right? So I'm getting, and listen, you should stalk them, all right? Like social media, it will reveal you. It may betray you, so be careful what you're posting. And so, but you know, you should get that information. But eventually, the information runs out, and you got to take a leap of faith into the mystery of the relationship. And this is how relationships exist. Mystery in any relationship, it fosters dependency, and it's essential in any relationship. Proverbs 25 says the, uh, the, the man's heart is like deep waters. Like you and I, we are a mystery. Some of you are a lot more mysterious than others. It's kind of creepy. You may just let us know you're safe, you know. It should be no surprise when we find out that we are a mystery and, and that we are mysterious, that our hearts are like deep waters. It should be no surprise when we learn that God has secrets and he has mysteriousness about himself. Job 11, he says this about God's mysterious nature. He says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Uh, Neil Armstrong, he was the guy that mastered the moonwalk like way before Michael Jackson. Uh, he said this, and I love this quote. I want to share it with you, that mystery creates wonder, and wonder is the basis of man's desire to understand. That mystery it fosters dependency and it is essential in any relationship. That's why God has some mysteriousness about him. And God leverages the mystery to foster that dependency and that relationship with you because God is not after your behavior. He's after your heart. He wants a relationship with you. And you know this to be true. If God was to reveal everything about your life ahead of time, you, you wouldn't seek him. You wouldn't seek his face. And so God is hardwired into the human experience mystery, and he's wanting to leverage it so that you would seek him. And so there are some, some mysteries when it comes to God, and there are some secrets. But Moses, he goes on, he says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but then we pick up back in Deuteronomy 29, 29, and here's what he says, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. The, God has revealed some things, and here's what he says, that we may do all the words of this law. You can circle that whole last part of that verse. Like you, God is revealing some things so that you and I would do some things. If you're taking notes tonight, write this down. Point number two, open box, open box. See, God has another box, and in this box is what God has clearly made known to us in which he wants us to do. And what, what Moses has just said is that he has revealed some things, he has opened the box, and he's given us some things, and to our children, listen, so that we would do these things. That information is not good without application. That information without application is like having a, a car without any tires. Like you've got all the right stuff right there, but you can't get anywhere. And so you, you gotta get the information plus the application. He's revealed some things so that you and I would do some things. And, and what Moses is saying, he's like, you've got to do the law. That's the whole Bible. That's everything. That's what he's saying, that God's will, God's plan is in his word. But sadly, we want the mystery without doing what God has told us to do in history. We, we want this over here, but God's like, hey, I need you to do some of these things first. And we get the order backwards. Listen, don't disregard what you know while trying to discover what you don't know. 
And we do this all the time. We like to disregard what we know while trying to discover the unknown. And so like, God, I know you said some things, but I'm just gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to search you out so I can figure out the future while disregarding what you've told me to do. I wanna share with you a quote from a, a young adult pastor that, that we really love. Um, he's a guy from Texas, his name is J.P. Uh, Pocluda, and he wrote a book, if you're looking to pick up a book, it's called Welcome to Adulting, and um, a great read, a lot of really helpful things for this season of life. And he addresses this subject matter in his book, and here's what he says, I love this. He says, if God has stated clearly, do this or don't do that, do, excuse me, do this or don't do that, and if you know those commands and willingly choose to ignore them, don't expect him to give you some special message about what you should major in or where you should live. If you aren't going to listen to what God has already said, why should he say anything else to you? I love that. Why would God make known to you his unrevealed will if you are not living out his revealed will? Why would God make known to you his unrevealed will if you're not living out what is in the open box? Let me put it this way, that maybe the reason why God isn't speaking to you is because you're not submitting to him. Because you've turned a deaf ear to him, he's turned a silent mouth to you. See, it's in the open box that we learn things like this. Like you look in the scripture and you're like, okay, God, what do I, what's your will for my life? What's your plan? And we read things like, Give thanks continuously because this is the will of God. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to give thanks. But then you come out here and you, and you hop on your cell phone. And you're like, I'm going to see what's going on on the gram. About to see what they were snapping me. And then you begin to compare your life to their life. And then you find yourself in a place of not thankfulness, but a place of, of comparison. And it's killing all the joy in your life. Or, or maybe you go to God's word and you're like, okay, Lord, what about money? What do I need to do with money? And it says here that, um, that you cannot serve God and money. The, the, the root of all evil is the love of money. And you're like, okay, but God, I'm gonna day trade, I'm gonna hustle, I'm gonna grind, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And you, you are being told by God what to do. Or maybe you come back over here and you're like, okay, Lord, what about my life? What about, what about my 20s? And you come over here and you read, your life is but a vapor. And then you walk away from what God has just said, your life is but a vapor, and you go on living like you're gonna live forever. And you're wasting your time. And so some of you, you wake up and you're 30 looking back at your 20s and going, man, I just wasted a decade. And God's like, I want you to be faithful with what I've told you to do. Some of you come over here and you're like, okay, God, what type of woman do you want me to be? That'd be weird for me to ask, but you know what I'm saying. What type of woman do you want me to be? Proverbs 31. Man, that's a hard list, but okay, God, I'm going to be a Proverbs 31 woman. But then you step out here and you start thinking, okay, I've got it, so I'm going to fly on it. And you wonder why you keep catching the same morons because you're fishing with your crack here and your crack here. And you think, just kidding. Anyway, you keep catching the same fool because you're, you're putting out the same thing. And you're showing a complete disregard for what God has already said clearly in the open box. I got a question. Based upon your history, why should God trust you with the mystery. Based upon your history, based upon what you've done in the past, with the open box, why should God trust you with the mystery? And so often we show a disregard that we are, we are not cool with obeying what God has said and, and we're never gonna find the secrets of God if we're not being obedient to what he has revealed. And so we begin to obsess over our future and we begin to get anxious and we're worried about what's going to play out in our life. And what we're shown is that we are more concerned with our future than, when we, than we are being obedient to God in the present. 
And what we're shown is that we care more about us. And it turns out that we may just be more narcissistic than we think. So maybe you're here tonight and you're like, okay, Chad, I want to be an open box man or I want to be an open box woman. What are some things? Like, there's a lot of things in this Bible. Uh, could you just give me some directions, some things I can start doing tonight? And, and let me tell you, like, you can leave here tonight walking out the will of God. You can leave here tonight walking out what God has made known clearly in his word. Let me give you just five things real quick. The first one is that if, if you don't hear anything tonight, the foundation of it all, if you want to walk in the will of God, it starts with you trusting Jesus. 2 Peter 3 says this, that God is willing that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That he wants all of us to know him. He doesn't want to unfold his plan in your life apart from his presence. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're like uh, the lady that one of our young adults met um, at Awaken Worship Night. We do this thing called Awaken. It's a part of our unashamed urban discipleship trip. And so we're out at Mill Creek Park at the plaza, and, and we're getting ready to, to worship. And one of our young adults, his wife was singing. She was singing here tonight. And anyway, he was out just kind of supporting her and helping us get set up. Well, he met a gentleman um, who then introduced uh, this guy to his wife. And so when he got into the conversation with this guy's wife, he began to ask her, because he'd already talked to this guy, hey, where are you at in your relationship with Christ? And, and he said, man, I know Christ. And, and then when he met this guy's wife, he asked the same question. And maybe you're here and you're like this lady that, that my boy Gideon met. And here's her response. She's like, you know what, I'm, I'm agnostic. And uh, I think that there's like a higher power out there, and, but I'm not real sure. And, and I just don't know that I can, you know, I can get down with, you know, one faith, that sort of thing. And, and so Gideon begins to share. And he's like, let me tell you who the higher power is. His name is Jesus. And he has a plan for your life. And he loves you. And he wants to, a relationship with you. And, and she began to doubt that God wanted a relationship with her because of some decisions that she had made in her past. And Gideon, he begins to share, no, God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And then she's like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I could trust God because I was, I was molested or I was assaulted. And I just don't know what to do with that. At the same time, we had another one of our young adults, a woman, who unfortunately had been through something similar, and she just began to share her experience. And she said, no, 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 let, let me just share what hope I've found in Christ. And we, we love to say this here when it, when it comes to people sharing Christ, that you lead with a limp. That people, they'll be impressed by how much Bible you know. They'll be impressed by like, oh, you know Genesis to Revelation, you know all that stuff. They'll be impressed by that, but they'll connect with you through your weakness. And so she begins to share just her weakness. Do you know how hard it is to relive the pain of your past when that's taken place? But in this moment, she looked at the pain of her past and she said, you know what, that was awful. But God is healing me. And apart from Christ, I don't know where I would be. You should get to know my Jesus. And so Gideon, he gives her this last promise. He says, look, you trust Christ, and he may not change your circumstances. I know your house just burned down. I know y'all fell on hard times. Christ will not, maybe he won't change your circumstances, but he'll be with you in whatever circumstance you go through. And so the last couple of weeks, they've come to church with this family, and it's been awesome to see what God is doing. And maybe some of you here tonight, you need to hear that, and you need to take that lunge into the mystery of a relationship with Jesus, and you need to trust Christ and begin to walk out his plan for your life. 
Maybe if you know Christ, the uh, second thing that you could do is you could begin to share Jesus. You could begin to share Christ and, and let people know. First Peter, or excuse me, First Timothy 4, 5 says this, that we are called to do the work of, a, of an evangelist. I love that Paul, he's talking to Timothy, and he says, hey, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. One of our other young adults who was a part of Unashamed, uh, he was like so nervous about sharing his faith, uh, in particular with an atheist. He was like, all right, as long as I don't meet an atheist, I'm going to be all right, all right? I can, I can handle any of these other questions as long as we got on the same page. There is a God. Okay, good. We can work with that. Anyway, so he goes to this park and he sees a guy shooting photos and he's like, all right, here we go. And he walks up and he begins to share his faith with this guy and the guy says, well, I'm an atheist. He's like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> He didn't really do that, but probably on the inside. And he begins to share in spite of his fear. And God uses him. And he says, man, I don't know why I haven't been sharing Christ more often. It's not as hard as I made it out to be. And so you could begin to activate God's plan in your life by trusting Christ, by sharing Christ. The next one is by committing to do the right things the right way. Committing to do the right things the right way. Psalm 15, 4, I love this verse. It says that God's people, the people that the Lord loves, they commit to the hard things and they keep their promises even when it hurts. How are you on your commitments? Are you committing to the right things the right way? Some of you are so committed to the wrong things. And you're way overcommitted. Like, you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, what are you committed to and at what expense? Some of you, this is the first time you've been in a place like this and you've known Christ for years, but you've just occupied your life with so many distractions and you've gotten so busy. And when it comes to you taking your next steps in your relationship with Christ, like, man, I can't get in a community group. I'm just too busy. What you're saying is that you're too busy to be a Christian. And if you're too busy to be a Christian, you're too busy. And so what should you be committing to? What are the right things you should be committing to the right way? The first thing you should commit to is you should commit to a church. If you are here and you're not a part of a local church, get involved with a local church. Hebrews 10 says that we are not to forsake the, the gathering or the assembly of the church. And so if you don't have a home church, I will unapologetically say Abundant Life would love for you to go through our Next Steps class, become a member of this church. Or if you are in a home church, get involved in that church. And be a part of the, the mission and the movement of Jesus Christ. The second thing that you need to commit to after getting committed to a church is get involved in community. Get involved in community. My heart leapt this weekend because we have, I think, over 100 young adults that have signed up for the group connect that's going on right now. And you've got 100 young adults that are saying, look, I want to commit to the right things. I want to commit the right way. And I'm going to get involved in community because it is not good for man to be alone, Genesis 2 says. And so we are following God's plan and we are getting in community. You also need to commit to serve. Jesus says in Matthew 20, Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, the one that runs and he's like the, the shining star. He is the guy that we're trying to be like. He says this, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I love it. One guy, he, he said this in regards to serving. He said, you'll never be more alive than when you're dying to yourself in service, that there is no life without death. And so get committed to the right things, the right way, and honor that commitment and, and, and stay true to your promise, even when it hurts. If you want to know how we do that here, go to the Next Steps desk after the service and figure out how you can take your next steps and begin to navigate God's plan in your life. The, the, the next thing that you need to um, begin to do and activate in your life in this season of life is to discipline your sex drive. <laughs> discipline your sex drive. 
First Thessalonians 4.3 says this, this is God's will for you to be holy and stay away from all sexual sin. Some of you are like, man, I wish the Bible wasn't so clear. Does it really mean like all sexual sin? Like, I mean, what, oh, what does that mean really, Chad? Yeah, I mean, it's clear. And it's so hard when, when culture is diabolically opposed to this biblical ethic and it just doesn't make sense at times. But listen, most of us know this to be true. I mean, be honest with yourself. Just look at your past. And what is usually associated with your greatest regrets? And what is usually associated with your biggest drama in life? I wonder, just like for 90 days, maybe you're like, maybe you're like man, I don't know about the Bible, I don't know about all this, but maybe for 90 days, you just try out God's plan for your life. You begin to activate this, and if you're wondering, like, like, how do Christians have sex, that was a question we asked a couple of weeks ago. Go back to the podcast, check it out. You can learn a lot more there. It was a great message, a lot of fun to talk about, a little bit awkward, but it was good. Anyway, next one, if you want to activate God's plan, the last one I want to give you tonight is for you to suffer well. Suffer well. 1 Peter 4, 19 says this, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. As to a faithful creator... Listen, suffering is going to happen in your life. Suffering is going to take place. Those who think that life will not present suffering are either in diapers or they're out of their mind, all right? It's going to happen. And listen, how you suffer really matters. Because isn't it true that when we're suffering, it just becomes that much easier to sin? Like, come on, you, you know this to be true, like, like he broke up with you? You're like, well, I'm going to show him. I'm about to get these stilettos on. I'm about to walk out to this club. I'm about to get whatever, you know. And you think you're going to show somebody by, by having, you know, you're not whatever. Or you get fired, guys, and you're like, you know what? We're going to start tailgating on Friday. We're tailgating the whole weekend. Get the beer. We're tailgating the whole weekend. It's a Monday night game. I don't care, you know. <laughs> and so you're sloppy. I ain't got no job. I don't care, you know. And you just, and you use your suffering as a license to sin. And this happens all the time. And listen, life is going to get hard. Life gets lifey. And when life gets hard and you want to quit when it gets hard, you're being the least like Jesus. But when life gets hard and suffering comes in and you keep pressing on and you keep following Jesus and you walk hard, you're walking like Jesus. Let's get rid of the following Jesus in the romantic category, okay? It's not easy. It's not always going to be easy, but you will be blessed, and it is worth it. C.S. Lewis, I love this quote. We use it a lot, but here's what he says about suffering, that God uses suffering as a megaphone to rouse a deaf world, that he whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. And it's in your time of suffering where you will have the greatest opportunity to share and to display the gospel. It's in your times of suffering, not in your times of soaring. And so suffer well. If you want to set God's plan in motion and you want to live the open box, set these five things in, in, play, I mean in, in play in your life and God's plan will begin to unravel in your life that, that God's will is clearly found in God's word. These are not a mystery. How different would your life be if you just implemented these things in your life? How different would your last five years be if you had committed to these things? How different would your parents' life be or your upbringing be if your parents had committed to these 
these things that God wants to do some things in your life. And you don't have to start. You don't have to stall out. You don't have to wait to implement God's plan in your life. You can implement it today. You can leave differently than the way you came. Your tomorrow can be better than your today. That God wants to do a new work in your life. But you've got to set some things that are in the open box in motion in your life. That God has revealed some things to you for your children that you would do those things. And God wants to do a new work in your life. I'm so excited. God is not mysterious. But he is a mystery. God is not mysterious. Excuse me. God is mysterious, but he's not a mystery, I should say. That following Jesus is not complex. It's simple. But it's not easy. He's made clear the things that he wants us to do. So for me, when I was 20 years old, and I was, I was rocked by a season of brokenness. And God began to work in my life, and I set these things in motion. I said, God, I want to be your man. No more games. No more me telling you my plans. God, I want to know your plans for my life. He said, Chad, get in my book and start doing what I told you, and I did. And I want to, I want to see you, men and women, do the same thing. Set these things in motion. And listen, God will be faithful to reveal the mystery as you are faithful to do what he's called you to do in his word. But what happens when you find yourself like, okay, um, this scenario that I'm in, Chad, it's not in the Word of God, and I'm, it's not in the mystery. I find myself in between, okay? I find myself kind of in the gray area of life. If you're taking notes tonight, third and finally, write this down, outside the box, outside the box. So like God didn't wake me up and like, hey, buddy, hey, <laughs> yeah, it's me, Jesus. Uh, wear the boots today, Okay. I mean, I know that God tells me that every day. Anyway, and so he says, hey, where that, you know, God wasn't like, hey, just cut off all your hair last week. God, that's what, that's what God, no, God didn't tell me those things explicitly. And so when we find ourselves kind of in the gray areas of life, and it seems like the issues that we're facing, because we face so many of these that are outside the box, what should we do? Listen, I want to encourage you to seek answers by asking questions. Seek answers by asking questions, particularly, I'm going to give you four questions to help you make an answer, excuse me, to help you make a decision on what you should do when you are in the gray areas of life. That's why I wore my gray pants tonight, so you can like literally see the gray in between the boxes, all right? And this is where maybe you find yourself in, I'm trying to figure out what to do. God, help me make a decision, right? Let me give you just four questions to ask as you're seeking an answer. The first one is, does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? First uh, Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or whether you drink, do it unto the glory of God. And so the decision that you're facing, does it glorify God? Some of y'all go to the Bible and you're like, all right, all right, God, is Westport in here? Okay, I don't see Westport. We're good. We're good. Okay. And you go down, you know, is, is happy hour in there? No. And, and you begin to look for certain things, but those things are not explicit in God's word. But he does say, hey, you need to do things to my glory. So does it glorify God? And, and should you do the bachelorette party or the bachelor party? Well, ask yourself some questions. Will the people that are there at the bachelor's part at the bachelor party will they glorify God? Because you know there's a difference between pole dancing and praise dancing. Okay. And and so you know you don't want to go to the bachelor party that involves this. All right, that's not glorifying God. Let me be clear. And so ask yourself, who's going to go? It's your community group that's going to go to the bachelor party. And then yeah, y'all have a good time. You can go. But if it's the knuckleheads that you went to high school with and you know what y'all used to do and all your regrets involve all of those faces, you probably shouldn't go to that bachelor party, right? And so ask yourself, does it glorify God? Um, I loved having a young adult ask me a question the other day and she just said, hey, I'm, I'm about to celebrate my birthday. I want to go out of town. 
um, what do you think about that? And so she tells me where she's going out of town, and, and we just begin to process, and I ask her some questions, and, and here's what I didn't do. I didn't say, no, you shouldn't do that, or yes, you should do that. I helped her seek answers by asking questions, and you need to do the same. Because the Bible's not explicit about tattoos or ear gauges or haircuts and all that stuff. And so ask, God, does this bring you glory? And then, and then Augustine, he said, hey, love God and then do what you want. Love God, do what you want. Does it bring God glory? Second question, does it bring me under its power? Does it bring me under its power? 1 Corinthians 6.12 says this, all things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want. It, you know, and he says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And so the easy one to throw out here is alcohol. And right now, some of you want me to pontificate and say, thou shalt not drink whatever, you know, and you want to err on that side of things. And others of you want, to, want me to say, hey, it's Reformers Day, October 31st. You need to get your chemistry degree, get some yeast and at-home beer brewing kit, and you just start brewing your own beer in the bathtub, microbrewery, and praise God, do what you want. And I'm not going to tell you either way, but I am going to ask you, are you, uh, are you falling underneath its power? And I'm going to encourage you, do not empower your vices. There are so many things in this world that make great servants and terrible masters. Alcohol is one of them. Fortnite is another one. Fried chicken is another one. All right? Golf is one. Whatever it may be, it, are you falling underneath its power? Question number three. Will it confuse or tempt other people? Will it confuse or tempt other people? 1 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. So um, let me just be honest real quick. Uh, God really convicted me on a particular area of my life that I really didn't have much conviction in the past. Um, so I come from, I'm, I'm the third born um, and uh, I'm the baby of three boys. And so like I had to learn early on how to talk trash. And so some of y'all, that's, you're my people, right? I'm good at trash. So I talk trash when I'm playing Candyland with my kids. Anytime it's competition, I'm talking trash. I'm talking trash. Even if I'm in a foreign country, they don't understand what I'm saying. I'm still talking trash. Like, yeah, that's right. You're about to go down. They're like, lo siento, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, whoa, let's go. You know, they're little, no, ninos and ninos, man. You need to calm down. I'm like, no, I ain't calming down. It's soccer, baby. You know, and so I get a little intense at times. And, and so what happened is that I begin to, he, like, feel the Holy Spirit saying, um, hey, hey, brother, do you think the way that you talk trash, the way you compete, do you think that people would go, oh, yeah, he must know Jesus? <laughs> and so God, God's working on me in that area. Uh, what about you? Do the things you watch, the things you listen to, the way you compete, where you go for dinner, happy hour, do they confuse or tempt other people? Question number four, we're seeking answers by asking questions for when we're in the gray areas of life. Number four, will I be proud of this decision at the judgment seat of Christ? Will I be proud of this decision at the judgment seat of Christ? Romans 14, 10 says this, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen, every one of you, every one of you will give an account for your life. Jesus says, for every word that you have spoken. When your life is just a story, and the dust is settled and you're six foot under, what story do you want to have been told in your life? In the decisions that you find yourself to kind of in between when you're outside the box and you're trying to make a decision, will you be proud of that decision, that man you're dating, that woman you're dating, that show that you love, that album that you just downloaded, the way that you eat, the way that you drink, the way you dress, the places you go, 
the job you have, the way you manage your time, how much sleep you get, all of these areas, will you be proud of the decisions that you have made in regards to those areas at the judgment seat of Christ? See, when we're outside the box, I want to encourage you to seek answers by asking questions. And when God answers you, I want to, I want to challenge you to submit to what he says. See, I think most of us, when we begin to ask these questions, like we know what God is going to say. And, and then oftentimes, like we go and like we survey different people, like, hey, if you were me, would you go on this trip? Or if you were me, would you do this with this person? And we're fishing for someone to go, oh, that ain't that bad. So we're like, all right, cool, I like you. I'm going to come back to you. My grace, you're my grace person. I like you, right? We don't want truth in that moment. And so what happens is, is oftentimes we ask these questions, God gives us an answer, and we're like, mm, no, <laughs> no, I'm going to do me, God. And then we make a mess of our life. And then what happens is we get mad at God, and God's like, why are you mad at me? You did this. I told you. And it comes back to Proverbs 19.3 that people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. And so when God answers, we get to see who is God in the relationship and who is the assistant based upon your response to what he says. When God answers your questions about gray areas, we see who is God and who is the assistant based upon your response. If he speaks to you and says, don't go there, don't drink that, don't listen to that, I'm telling you, don't do this, or go speak to that person, give your life to this, and you say, no, I'm good. You're treating God like an assistant, and he's the Lord, and you're exposing that you're the God of your life. And so maybe you come in here and that's you, like you, you've forgotten that God is trying to have a relationship with you and you think that the Bible's all about rules and so you've gotten the rules and you're like, man, I'm rebelling against the rules and God's like, no, 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 I want a relationship with you. And, and maybe you come here tonight and, and, and the reason why this is a little bit foreign to you is because you really don't have a relationship with God. Like maybe some of you, your relationship with God is about like my relationship with Patrick Mahomes. And so fun fact for you, Patrick and I, we went to the same high school at different times. Uh, we actually played on the same field when I was in high school. Um, I was an umpire, and he was a Little League baseball player. And some of you, you know God about like I know Patrick. See, I know somebody that knows Patrick really well. It's, it's actually my brother. You can see a picture of my brother here, Dustin. Uh, he's the guy that's on Patrick's left. This is in the tech days, and so they got to watch some of his games. And my, my brother's really good friends with the guy wearing the Texas Rangers baseball jersey. That's Patrick's dad. And uh, they're good friends. They hang out a lot. Actually, Patrick's dad was at my brother's wedding. He walked my mom down the aisle. And you can see here, my brother got to go to the Pittsburgh game. And so that's him there on the, the far left, my oldest brother. And he's there with Patrick Mahomes and his dad. And some of you, you know God about like, I know Patrick. My brother actually gave me Patrick's phone number. I, I have Patrick's phone number in my phone. And, and I can call him if I want to. I can shoot him a text. And a lot of you, you know how to get a hold of God too. And, and you, you know those sort of things. And the way you know God, like you, you know God through somebody else. Like, like you don't know God, but you know somebody that knows God, right? And so when you got a decision to make, you call that person up like, hey, could you talk to God for me? Because you know him better than me. And, and, and that person may be like, hey, here's God's phone number. And listen, I'm a fan of Mahomes. I love, I'm a Mahomie through and through. And so I watch the game Sunday night. I'm like, that boy is going off, man. Can't get, you can't hold, you know, I'm a Texas boy. I, I'm a fan of his. I like to cheer him on. A lot of you, that's like your relationship with God. You're like, man, I ain't got nothing against God. I like God. And you're just like a fan of his. 
And what I'm trying to tell you tonight is that God wants so much more for you. He wants more for you than than to come here week after week and and just know people who know God. He wants more for you than to come here and just to raise a hand maybe or, or be a fan. He wants you to be a follower of Jesus. Kevin Eidelman, he wrote this in a book called More Than a Fan. He said, the biggest threat to the church today is, the, is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. I wonder, are you a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? Do you just know somebody that knows God? Like I know Patrick Mahomes. Or do you really know God? You'll never know God's plan apart from his presence. See, the greatest mystery that God has unfolded in history, Paul speaks about it more than any other New Testament author. And he says at the conclusion of one of his greatest letters to the church at Rome, he says this in Romans 16, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest. That Paul's saying the greatest mystery is that God wants a relationship with you and with me. And maybe tonight you're not walking in that. And you'll never be able to live God's plan for your life until you know the mystery of the gospel. That God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. He sent his son to die for you and for me so that we could have a right relationship with him. That he died on a cross and he rose from the grave so that we can know him and trust him with our future. God has a mystery trip for you called life. And he wants to reveal some things, but not at the expense of you being disobedient to what he's told you. And the greatest, most extraordinary adventure is yet to be unfolded in your life. And God has a mystery trip if you would trust him with your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, we thank you that you have given us an opportunity to know you personally. That we don't just have to talk about you. We can know you. We can, we can invite you into our lives, and then we can come to you and say, God, what is your plan for my life? God, I pray for my friends tonight that you would help them to have the courage to explore whether or not they're in a relationship with you. That you'd have them to give them the integrity to be honest with themselves. If Do they really know you, or do they know you about like I know Patrick? God, help them not just to be able to know how to call upon your name, God, help them not just to be a fan of yours, but help them to commit to be a follower of yours and help us to live your plan for our life. God, give us the courage and the responsibility to do what you've called us to do in your revealed will, in your open box, and help us to trust that you are for our good with your mystery box and with our future. In Christ's name I pray.